love it. There's so much energy in this room today. Good morning, church. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to dance. And it's not like I go downtown at 11 p.m. and go clubbing sort of dance. It's more like Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, hold up your pom-pom sort of dance. And I grew up in this small town called Joshua, Texas. So now everyone with your most southern accent, say out loud with me, Joshua, Texas. I love it. So now every time that you call on Joshua McDonald, make sure you use that southern accent. So growing up in Texas, football is a really big deal, but did you know that dance team and drill team actually originated in Texas? And if you don't believe me, look up the Kilgore Rangerettes. They're the first drill team ever. They're really amazing. But I had this awesome opportunity in 1999. I know this is dating me a little bit. But in 1999, to dance the halftime show of the New Orleans Sugar Bowl. And it was an amazing day because Texas A&M and Ohio State were playing that game. And I danced the Charleston in the middle of the halftime show. And it was on TV. Come on, somebody. It was an epic day. Yeah. And so in this same season of my life, I was also a part of a youth group in Joshua, Texas. And my youth pastor and all my friends thought this was a really big deal. I was going to be on TV in this halftime show for this college football game. And um, in the same semester of my life, my youth pastor was also running this promotion. For every friend that you brought to church, you and your friend got their name put in a drawing for $100. And I know that you're probably not supposed to bribe people to come to church, but it worked for me because I invited all my dance friends. I looked up my whole phone book, called everybody I knew, and I brought a few friends to church. But there is a couple guys in our youth group named Luke and Brian. I think we have a picture here on the screen for you. But Luke and Brian, every Saturday morning, they would go out knocking on strangers' doors and inviting them to church. And then they got up extra early on Sunday morning and they they would take a bus out and go pick up all the strangers that they just met the day before and bring them to church. And so the Sunday came when our youth pastor was about to announce the winner of the drawing for the $100. Now this is where my story might get a little weird for some people, so just stick with me. But he's about to pull this name, and I remember sitting there among 80 or 90 other students, and I felt this, this whisper, this quiet, small voice in me say, Amber, you're going to win this, and when you do, you need to give it to Luke and Brian. And I thought, that's weird. So I'm sitting there, and my youth pastor draws a name, and he starts dragging it out. You know, those announcements that just keep going. And so he's dragging it out, and he's like, oh, I'm so excited this person won this. They're amazing. They brought lots of friends to church, and in fact, they're famous. They've been on TV. And my friend sitting here next to me going, Mandy, she started nudging me, and she was like, hey, I think it's you. And I start freaking out a little bit because just a few seconds earlier, I had this quiet whisper, this voice that was like, you are going to win this, but when you do, you need, to get, you need to give it to Luke and Brian. So the youth pastor is just dragging it out, and he's like, I'm so pumped that they won this. Come up here and get your $100, Amber Davis. That's my maiden name. And it was in this moment in my life when for the first time I felt the Holy Spirit move me to act in boldness. Guys, I start ugly crying. And I start making my way up to the stage and they hand me a microphone like I have some kind of speech prepared. And I start ugly crying in the microphone. I'm like, 
Luke and Brian are supposed to win this, and I don't explain myself. I just call them up there because, honestly, I don't know what to say about it. It was kind of weird for me. And so they come up there. My youth pastor's, like, so pumped, and he takes our picture together. And then the guys take me out to lunch later, and I'm just silent. I don't say a word at lunch because I don't really know what to say because I kept thinking, what was that? But now I know it was the Holy Spirit moving me to act in boldness for a purpose. To this day, I don't know what that purpose was. Maybe the guys needed the money. Maybe I was supposed to set an example in that youth group. I don't know, but all I do know is that God was leading me to give that money to Luke and Brian for a purpose. So I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. What in the world am I talking about when I talk about that person? So who is the Holy Spirit? There's a lot of misconceptions and fears, maybe even something a little spooky associated with the Holy Spirit. But I want to get us all on the same page. So in the Bible, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, I'm talking about the same person there, is mentioned almost 400 times. The Bible's divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew, and the New Testament's written in Greek. And uh, they were both translated into English so we could read them, but it's helpful sometimes if we look up the original translation so we can understand that word better. So let's do that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the word Holy Spirit is ruach. Now you have to say it like you have something stuck in the back of your throat. So everyone say with me, ruach. Good. So that that Old Testament word is ruach, and that word translated means wind, breath, or violent exhalation. In Genesis 1-2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word spirit is originally ruach. The wind, the breath of God hovered over the waters. In the New Testament, the word spirit is pneuma. The P is silent there. And the word pneuma means current, air, blast, and breath and strong breeze. And in John 6.64, Jesus says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. That word Jesus uses for spirit is pneuma. He gave his disciples this current, this breath of fresh air. I like to explain it this way. If Jesus gives us our passion, our fire, our purpose, then the Holy Spirit is the one fanning that flame. Come on, I I think this is so good, so I'm going to say it again. If Jesus is our passion and our fire, the Holy Spirit is the oxygen that keeps that flame alive. Are you with me? Because we can have Jesus in our heart. We can have this purpose, but if you do nothing with it, then that flame dies down. If we stop listening, if we start thinking, I don't need church, I don't need the Bible, I don't need this Holy Spirit, then that flame is going to die down to almost nothing. But today I want to encourage you, live in boldness with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to have it on the screen for you. I want to give you a little bit of backstory in Acts. So Jesus had just resurrected from the dead. And then uh, he lived some time with his disciples and taught them. And then he had just ascended into heaven, but he didn't leave his disciples alone. No, he left them with who? The Holy Spirit. And so he left them with the Holy Spirit to be bold. And Peter and John had just been used by God to heal a crippled man in chapter 3. 
And people started to take notice and began to get a little hairy for them. So we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 4. Let's read together. While Peter and John were addressing the people, the priest, the chief of temple police, and some Sadducees came up. Indignant that these upstart apostles were instructing the people and proclaiming that the resurrection of the dead had taken place in Jesus. They arrested them and threw them in jail until morning, for by now it was late in the evening, but many of those who had listened had already believed in the message, in round numbers about 5,000. The next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem. The rulers, religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas the chief priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? And with that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we've been brought to trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you, we have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been given or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. They couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education. They recognize them as companions of Jesus, but with the man right before them, seeing him stand there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? They sent them out of the room so they could work out a plan. They talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over town that a miracle has occurred and that they're behind it. There's no way we can refute that, but so it doesn't go any further. Let's silence them with threats so they don't dare use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. They called him back in and warned them they were on no account to ever speak and teach the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back. Whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. The religious leaders renewed their threats, but then released them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. The people, people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. The man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Peter and John lived in boldness. And they had walked alongside Jesus. They had this purpose, this passion. They had seen him resurrect from the dead and then ascend to heaven I mean, they had that boldness, that reason to share his name. And then Jesus left them with the Holy Spirit to fan that flame, to fan that fire, and to keep them going and to face the boldness, the persecution, being thrown in jail, maybe even death in their life. And it was also the others would know. So I want to encourage you today, live in boldness with the time that God gives you. I love to share personal experiences, and I love to hear other people's stories about what they've been through, how God has used them in big ways in their life. Always feel free to share those stories with me because I love to hear them. And uh, I think this is what community is all about. You know, we can't just come here on a Sunday and spend one hour and have community. That's why we have connect groups. It's so we can share life together and share our life change together. So hopefully you're connected in a group.
But I have a story for you for when Daniel and I had first lived in Florida. We lived there for 10 years, but I think it was year two or three. And Daniel came home on one Sunday, and he was just preaching that morning. And he came home, and he was like, man, I just feel like such a hypocrite because I was preaching about living in the world, living on mission, having friends outside of church, and I don't have any friends outside of church. I feel like God's leading me to take a job overnight at Starbucks. And I was like, what? And because he already had this full-time job working 40 hours a week with students, and we were kind of still newlywed, and so I wasn't down with him working overnight because I wanted my bed to be warm. And so I tried to talk him out of it, but he was like, no, I feel like this is something God's leading me to do. I need to go do this. So he took his job overnight working at Starbucks on top of his full-time job, and he made a lot of new friends and he brought home a lot of free coffee, which I don't drink. And, and working overnight, he met this girl named Nina. And on Friday nights, a lot of times we would go out with our college and singles uh, ministry, and we would go to the mall or we would go to the movies. And I started bringing them in on Friday nights to Starbucks when Daniel was working just so we could give him a hard time and joke around and be like, ha you have to work, and we're out having fun. And I thought maybe that it would make him not want to work anymore and he would quit. <laughs> but we met this girl named Nina, and she starts asking Daniel questions like, who are all these people? Are all these people your friends? Like, how do you know them? And so it opened this door of opportunity for Daniel to share with her, yeah, this is our college and career, and we actually have a Bible study, and, uh, and we hang out all the time, and so you should join us. And it turns out that Nina hadn't been to church in a long time, but she starts coming to our Bible study, and then a few months later, Daniel actually got to baptize her. And then she starts dating this guy named Nick in our group, and then a few years later, Daniel actually got to officiate their wedding. And then they moved a few doors down from us and became our neighbors and some of our closest friends. And they were foster parents. They work in the school system as teachers. And they actually teach the children's department at their church in Florida. Man, none of that would have happened if Daniel hadn't stepped out of his comfort zone and lived in boldness with his time. I think God is calling all of us to step out and live in boldness with our time. The time that you hold so dear, that you consider so valuable, God can take and make ten times more valuable if you let him. Man, I'm living in boldness right now. It takes me ten times longer and ten times more the effort than it does Daniel to put together a sermon. And I feel like good sermons just ooze out of him. And that frustrates me because it takes me so long. But man, God never um, told us to live in comparison. Just because it takes us more effort than somebody else to do something doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or that you should let someone else do it for you. See, I had this word inside me, this fire, this passion, and the Holy Spirit started fanning that flame, and I went to Daniel, and I was like, I got this word that I need to preach, and I invested the time, and God produced a talent, and then I gave that talent back to him, so don't let comparison ever talk you out of it. When you live life in boldness with the Holy Spirit, life change happens. So I want to encourage you, live in boldness with your time and live in boldness with your talent. We have all these given abilities and talents that are different from many other people, and God can use them in a big way. My favorite quote in the whole world is by Bob Goff. I have it on my main Instagram quote. I love it so much, and it says this, 
I used to think you had to be special for God to use you, but now I know you simply need to say yes. God has already gifted you. You just have to be willing. And you know, if you don't know how God has gifted you, you're in luck because today is next steps too, and it's all about you. So you can walk out of here knowing how God has made you because we're taking personality and spiritual gift inventories. So if you've never been to next steps, make sure you hit that up today and know how God has gifted you. When I graduated from college with a bachelor's degree in Bible and music, I didn't know what to do with it. So I went immediately back to school for massage therapy. I went to massage school never having a massage before. How crazy is that? Daniel thought I was crazy. He was like, you're going to rub people all day and get cramps in your hands? Like, that sounds awful. I was like, no, it's going to be great. But honestly, I had no idea how it was going to turn out. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to go and, and learn how to do massage. But it turns out it was exactly what God had for me. It's been an amazing career that's turned into a ministry because people come in and they lay on my table for an hour or more and barriers get broken down. And whether it's just in silence and I get to pray over them or whether they open up and they share their life story with me, God has allowed me to minister to people in ways that I don't think very many people get to. God can use your talents and your giftings in a way that you never imagined. Be intentional with it. There's this prayer that I pray every single morning, and it's really bold. It's, God, give me the opportunity today to make a difference. Now notice, I didn't say, God, give me the ability, or God, help me. No, because I believe he's already equipped us. He's already given us everything we need. But when you say, God, give me the opportunity, it changes our mindset. It's not asking God to do it for us. It's asking God to use us in a big way. What are you passionate about? If you're in school or you're in university, I'm going to encourage you, live in boldness on your campus. Share Jesus' name. Because not very many people get that opportunity. And I know there's a lot of fear associated with that and being bold and sharing Jesus on your campus. But man, God can do big things. And you're the only one with that opportunity. And man, if you have the opportunity, go overseas and study at a university, at a nation that doesn't know Jesus. Because you can become a missionary and you can be studying whatever it is that you're studying in university. How amazing is that, that God could use you while you're in school? And if you love to knit or to read or to hike or whatever, start a connect group. And then invite all your friends who don't know Jesus but that love the same things you do. Invite them to come to your connect group and then take them one step closer to God in the process. And if you love to sing or to make coffee or to hold babies or to open doors with a smiling face, man, join the dream team. There is something amazing that happens when we serve together on this dream team. Life change happens. And if you love to live on purpose and help people in need, consider going on a mission trip. We're taking a team to Houston in April for the rebuild. Consider going on that trip. And I know that it's a time sacrifice, and it's a money sacrifice, but when you give back your time and your talent and your treasure, God blesses in huge ways. When you live in boldness with the Holy Spirit, not only does life change happen in yourself, but God uses you to help make the world a better place. I want to encourage you. 
Live in boldness with your time. Live in boldness with your talent. And live in boldness with your treasure. I know that this is a delicate subject. It's not my intention to step on toes. But in all honesty, 10% of our church tithes on a regular basis. And when I say tithing, I mean giving back 10% of your income to God through his church. And I want to stop right here and say, Daniel and I, we don't own the church. You don't own the church. We are the church, and God leads us. But if 10% of our church tithes on a regular basis, that means 90% of the people sitting in this room today struggle with this subject. So bear with me as I dig some of this up. But living in boldness with our finances is not easy. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to stretch us. Everything I've been given is not my own. It's been given from a blessing from above. And when we can live in that mindset fully, it opens up a whole world of possibilities. And I know some of you might be thinking, Amber, if I give, I can't eat. I hear you, friend. I've been there. Can I encourage you? God would not ask you to do something if he wasn't going to support you and take care of you. This is part of living on faith. This is a part of being and living in boldness. So be bold, friend. When I was in college, I worked at a day school, and I only made $100 a week. And I loved that job, but it was exactly $100 a week. And every Friday when I got my paycheck, the very first thing that I would do was write a check to my church for $15. $10 of that was my tithe, and $5 of that was designated to go to missions. And that's what we call an offering, above and beyond our tithe. And as a 19-year-old, living on my own for the very first time, this was not something that came easy to me, but it was something that I felt God was calling me to do. And uh, it's been amazing to see what God has been able to do with me giving back my treasure. My $15 may not have made a big difference in the world, but it made a big difference in me. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here. Because I found freedom and joy in sharing my treasure and giving it back to God with an open heart and praying over that money and asking God to use it in a big way that only he's able to do. And parents, I want to encourage you, instill this in your children at an early age. My mom instilled this in me when I was really young. And uh, I remember that when I was a preteen, she opened up a savings account for me for $500. And I know that this was a big sacrifice for her because she was a single parent. And that she spent every single Saturday she had off working in concession stands to pay for my dance and drill team competition fees and costumes. But she opened up this $500 savings account, and she taught me the importance of saving. But more importantly, she asked me this, Amber, you have $500. How much do you give back to God? And I, I took this opportunity to be math stupid. Anybody with me? I was like, $5, Mom. $5 is what I'm supposed to give back to God. And she was like, Amber, 10% of $500 is $50. And I was like, $50? Are you kidding me? But I learned what it meant to sacrificially give and to live in boldness with my treasure. Your kids will not do what you do not teach them and what you do not live an example by. And I want to point out here that living generously and giving back to God is two different things. Because we all have these causes, these purposes that we want to support and be behind. But the starting point is to give back to God what he has blessed you with. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring your full tithe, that's 10% of our income, to the temple treasury, 
so there'd be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. And from my own personal experience, I've seen this play out in my life where I've given when it hurts to give and God has time and time again met my need. I want to fast forward 20 years from when my mom was teaching me to when God asked us to move to Canada. It was a really scary moment because I was content. I made, I had a successful business. I made twice as much as my husband did. Come on, somebody. Life was good. But we prayed over it and, and we decided to live in boldness. And to move to Calgary, a location where cost of living was double, and we cut our income in half. And we spent our life savings moving here and starting Connect Church. And Daniel sold his truck and put all of those funds into the launch funds for Connect Church. And we shared a car for two years, and it wasn't until the last couple months that we were able to buy a used vehicle for him to drive around. Were there days when we only ate ramen noodles? Yes. Was it stressful? Yes. Did God provide? Always. I tell you all of that not so that you can pat us on the back and tell us good job or to make you feel guilty in any way. But the things that he made possible because we were willing to live in boldness with our time and our talent and our treasure overwhelms me some days. He brought to fruition things that I didn't even know I had a desire for. And I want that for you to have overflowing joy in seeing what God can do with your boldness. Imagine that if instead of 10% that tithe on a regular basis, what if it was 90% of our church? Man, we could build orphanages. We could build wells. We could feed the hungry. We could meet needs when disaster happens. We could share Jesus' name across the nations together. And we could be the church that God has always intended us to be. When you live in boldness with the Holy Spirit, not only does life change happen in yourself, but God uses you to help make the world a better place. I'm passionate about this subject. I hope my heart has come across clearly today. But I pray that you can be intentional and bold in how the Holy Spirit moves you and leads you. So I actually wrote a poem to close this out today. Can I share it with you? We relax on our fluffy big couches, eating potato chips and watching Netflix, while one in nine people go to bed hungry each night, and one in ten lack access to clean water. That's 663 million who live without water to drink when we can just walk to our kitchen sink. And what about the coarse, tired feet that walk barefoot for miles just to fill a vat? Or the little swollen bellies who lay weak and empty while we worry if we're getting too fat? No, it's easier if we relax on our fluffy big couches eating potato chips and watching Netflix, because then we don't have to think about all the many girls who were stolen from their mother's arms, forced, enslaved, ridiculed, and abused, raised up to never know freedom and manipulated to embrace harm. Or the little boys who run from poverty and danger only to find conflict at their front door. Tiny hands holding weapons, taught not to think, just kill, at the mere young age of four. 
But we relax on our fluffy big couches, eating potato chips and watching Netflix, planning birthday parties and hashing out our biggest dreams, while others sit broken and full of loss and all their hopes are found in a pit. Wind stronger than any force of man not only tore off a roof, but a lifetime of memories with it. Loved ones lost in a matter of minutes by a fire or a flood. Only remnants once warm, once cherished are left in the mud. But we relax on our fluffy big couches, lazily eating those potato chips and scrolling through Netflix. But my fear is the greatest depression of them all. Those that have never heard and wouldn't know what it's like to be holy and completely loved by a Jesus who not only told us to feed the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, but that he is in fact the bread of life, the comforter, the conqueror, the breaker of chains, and the only one who is never restricted. He is the God who moves us out of our chairs and into the light, the motivator, the mender, the God who knows all, sees all, and can set all things right. And I pray it's no longer about our fluffy couches and that our potato chip bags would be empty and there would be nothing on TV. That way we no longer have excuses to talk us out of our purpose, to do life on mission and lead with greater vision, to take a stand for those who have no voice, will, courage, or choice, and to know that everything we've been given isn't our own. It's been given so we can make life overflowing known. Are you willing to take a stand for those in need? for the suffering and the hurting and the starving and the lost. It's a decision you have to make before you walk out those doors to be intentional and generous no matter the cost and to know deep down in your soul that their life is worth just as much as yours. Mm -hmm.